0: Started with our service, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. It's good to be
1: back in the Lord's house today. Uh, Brother Benson, Jr., would you open us in prayer? Join me in singing page 441, Great is Thy faithfulness.
2: Done. I can't help but think about the Lord and all the things he's done. He meets my every need. You know he's been so good to me and I can't help but pray
3: Open your Bibles to James chapter 4. How many are full? How many are tired? Would you raise your hand? Listen, if you fall asleep, that's okay. That won't hurt my feelings, but if you snore, we will interrupt your deep sleep. So if you're going to sleep, don't snore on us. We don't want to have to deal with it. Well, praise the Lord. I'm thankful to be here, and uh, I hope I don't offend people. I preach in so many churches now, and I've learned different parts of the country certain words, certain phrases tick people off, and obviously I don't know that. I'm just trying to preach and be a blessing, and I can't help my own weird personality at times. And uh, back home, people would say uh, one of the things that is hard for them to adjust to me is that I'm so direct and that I'm just blunt at times. I would never want to be unkind, but I think When you look at all preachers, um, Baptists are usually known for that. And it's not that we're harsh or mean, it's just we want to fix a problem. If there's a problem, let's fix it, all right? We don't have to beat around the bush. Let's not drag it out. Let's just fix it. I mean, I think most clergymen, even in other faiths and other denominations, I think their intent is to help people. Um, Now, I would challenge their doctrinal convictions, but I think their motives are to help people. They want to be kind to people. I, I'm reminded of those three preachers that went out golfing. One was, one was a Jew, and one was a Catholic, and one was a Baptist. And they're out golfing, and they're chit-chatting about all kinds of things, about their parishes and their people, etc., and, and they're following a foursome that uh, is just taking forever. I mean, they're just taking forever, and obviously a foursome is going to golf slower than a threesome, but it's just unusually slow. They're all over the place. And a uh, guy comes driving up in his golf cart, and the ranger, and he says, Hey, how you doing, reverends? And Oh, we're doing great. And, hey, those guys in front of us, they're extremely slow. Is there any, any way you can speed them up? He said, Yeah, well, that's kind of a problem. You see, they're, they're all blind. They're blind. What are they doing out here on the golf course? Well, they're firefighters. And a couple of years ago, our our clubhouse was on fire, and they they risked their lives to go in and they saved us millions and millions of dollars. But all of them uh, have uh, damage done to their eyes, and so they can't see. And oh, and then the clergyman—they're all feeling bad. And the, the the Catholic says, "Well, I'm going back, and we're just going to say some prayers for him." And, uh, and the Jew says, well, I'm going to go back and talk to some of my ophthalmologist friends and see if there's something we can do to help them. And then the Baptist preacher, you know, he's just trying to fix a problem. He said, well, um, hey, is there any reason why they can't play at night? <laughs> we're, not, we're just trying to fix the problem, okay? <laughs> so... The fact is, America needs revival because God's churches in America need revival. And we learned this morning from Second Chronicles 7.14, God said, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. And that was the intent of the message this morning, to help us to be honest with ourselves and to humble ourselves before God. Admit where we're wrong. Let's just be honest about it and deal with it. Don't blame, don't excuse, don't ignore it. Let's just fix the thing. And then God says, we need to humble ourselves, and then we need to pray. And when I talk to churches and when I have a little more time to spend time with them, I have learned that people don't like to do what they're not good at. If I talk to you and say, hey, do you like to golf? Some people will say, no, it's a stupid sport. Who wants to hit a ball across a cow pasture? You know what they're saying to me? They stink at golf. Because if they're no good at it, not only are they not going to be involved, they're going to criticize those that are better than them. And so we tend to avoid the things that we're not very good at. I'm not very good at bowling. And uh, my younger years, Lori could, would beat me in bowling. And do you know how embarrassing it is? For me to trip her just so that I could try to win a game. <laughs> uh, I'm not good in bowling. So I don't care to bowl a whole lot. I've learned that even in churches that some people, though they would never say that prayer is not important, the truth is they spend less than an hour a week in prayer. And the reason more often than not is, is not that they're too busy Because let's be honest, we do what we want to do, correct? If you want to do something, you're going to do it. If you don't have time, you're going to make time. But people generally avoid what they're not good at, and they feel like, you know, I've prayed so many times and God didn't hear my prayer. And so, I must not be a very good prayer. And so, we tend to uh, push away from things we're not good at because it only exposes... How poor we are at it. And so, but God says, if you want to see your land healed, you want to experience revival. You must, first of all, humble yourself. Then secondly, he wants to hear you pray. I don't know what the creator of the universe gets out of hearing Bruce Humbert speaking to him. I, I don't have good English. I don't even know that my thoughts make sense half the time. I don't know how to even convey my innermost feelings at time to him. But he wants to hear it. And if he wants to hear it, then I need to learn to do the best I can to speak to him. Ian Bound said, prayer can do anything God can do. It's just that not many people believe that. Was he exaggerating when he said that? I don't think so. Jesus said, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything, I will do it. Sounds like God can do anything, or sounds like prayer can do anything God can do. So today, what I want to do is address that subject of prayer because I think there's some folks in here that genuinely want revival in their own personal life yes in the church yes in our nation yes not so that we enjoy an easier life because quite frankly sometimes revival comes at a great cost but I think most people today I think COVID helped us a little bit to be honest Our attendance has never rebounded to where it once was, but our church is much stronger today than it was pre-COVID. We have people that are more committed to God, godliness, the church, the Word of God, soul winning than we had prior to COVID. It woke up our people, many of our people, to the seriousness of the Christian life. And we still have people that have not returned. We're not against them. But can I say this kindly? Are we uh, broadcasting this? Oh, okay. I'll say it real kindly. (laughs) Virtual church, by definition, is not real. Does that make sense? Now, after I had open heart surgery, I couldn't go to church. My immune system was way too low. I had to stay home until until I developed my immune system and strength. And so for me, my pastor for several weeks was Adrian Rogers. And I would watch his church program and listen to him preach. And I will tell you, it was a blessing to me. I'm not opposed to televised uh, church services, but if a person can be in church and prefers virtual church, it makes me wonder if he's a virtual Christian. Because true spirit-filled Christians want to be in church I just wrote a book I'm not a very good preacher I'm not a very good author but I wrote a book what's the big deal about church can I answer it this way it's a big deal to God and if it's a big deal to God it should be a big deal to God's people our churches are known for everything but the very thing God wants it to be known for he did not say, my house shall be called the house of preaching. He didn't say, my house shall be called the house of ministries for whatever particular niche you want. God said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And yet, for most churches, that's where we're weakest. And so today, I want to help you. I'm just going back to basics. I want to I cover seven things, and I'll Cover them quickly. What time do we get out when they go to sleep? Okay. Uh, I'll be uh, as quick as I can, but I'm going to give you seven things to jot down. If you'll pray these requests, God will hear them. You know, sometimes we ask God, and quite frankly, it's not because God's ear is filled with wax that he can't hear, and it's not because in his old age he, he can't reach all the way out to where you are there's a problem. Our sins, our iniquities come in between us that he will not hear. It's not that he can't hear. He will not hear. And so I'm assuming we've humbled ourselves this morning. We've got things right with God. I'm going to give you seven things you can pray for and know that God will answer it. And that will build momentum in your life. You know as well as I do, when you win one game or two games, you want to play three and four. When you lose three or four times, that's a stupid game. You don't want to play anymore. But you get a winning streak going. It motivates you to continue on, and so it is even in serving the Lord. You start praying and see God answer these prayers, it will will encourage you. God does hear and answer my prayer. These are according to His will, These are written in His Word. We can have confidence when we pray these prayers. So let's pray about that together now. Father, would you bless the preaching of your Word today? Help me to be clear and plain, helpful and challenging at the same time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm looking at James chapter 4, verse 2. You know the verses. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war yet have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes we ask God for things that really are just for our own personal lusts, for our own personal desires. Anything wrong with that? Well, if it's according to His will, no, there's nothing wrong with it. But come on, let's let's be honest. God is not a a a, a genie wrapped up in his little Bible waiting for you to stroke the Bible and poof, he comes out and says, what can I give you today? That's not our God. God wants to do something supernatural for us. And so let me give you seven prayer requests that you can and really ought to ask God for today. Number one, you should pray, we should pray, I should pray for fire in my soul. God wants us to be hot. He wants us to be Fervent, he wants us to be on fire for Jesus. Vance Havner said, "Too many services start at eleven o'clock sharp, and end at twelve o'clock dull." Uh-huh. Revelation three verse sixteen, we read it this morning. He speaks of the lukewarm church members. We we make God sick, and quite frankly, we make one another sick too. And what that what how that comes about in our life is we immerse ourselves in the hot springs the hot waters and then we turn right around and then we go immerse our life in the cold springs or the worldly things of this world god doesn't want you to live two lives and look at me this morning don't act like you don't what i'm talking about we often criticize especially if they're famous preachers when they fall And we say things like, I can't believe they'd live a double life. Can I say something kindly? I'm gonna venture a guess that many of you, if not all of you, are living a double life. Do you know who can live a double life better than anybody? Someone that has two natures. When you got saved, you still have an old nature. You have a new nature. You're you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You, You now love God. You now love the Word of God. You now want to please God. But your old nature's still there. You know what I'm talking about? That's why Paul says, that's why the good book says that we have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. That's why the Bible says, I die daily. This is not like oh, I come to the altar and get it right today and whew, we're good for the rest of our life. I thought when you got 65, when you got your Medicare card and, and your Social Security card, the devil didn't bother you anymore. I mean, what can an old person do for crying out loud? They can barely get up and get to church, let alone sin. So I thought maybe the devil left us old people along. I want you to know the devil bugs us old people as much as you young people. We have to kill the flesh. We have to die unto self. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. And if we don't, you're going to find yourself living a double life. And you'll, you'll understand when Paul said the things I should do, the things that I want to do, the things I know, I, I know that are right, I don't do them. The things that I hate and don't want to do, I find myself involved in. You know what he's simply saying? We all have two natures. And if the greatest Christian in the New Testament struggled with the flesh, you normal morons just struggle as well. Because you and I, we don't measure up to the Apostle Paul. I'm saying today, we need to pray for fire in our soul. God wants us to be alive. He wants us to be hot on fire for Jesus. The psalmist said, "'Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee?' Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, "'His word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones.'" When I've lost the joy, when I don't care for souls, when I'm not motivated to give and to serve, my love for God is beginning to cool off and I need to pray to God, set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. You have not because you ask not. I'm asking you today, do you really want revival? Then cry out to God. Revive me. Father, revive me give me fire my soul once again secondly pray for the fault in self pray for the fault in self you know we're all experts at judging others are we not i mean we're all good at pointing out what other people do wrong but we usually give ourselves a pass we get a conviction in church for whatever maybe sins of omission as well as commission. And we generally explain it to God like he needs an explanation. And we generally say, well, it's not as bad as the Holy Spirit's making it out to be, because I have a good reason for what, and besides, if, you know, I mean, this person did this and I'm not as bad as that person. And God says, what's that to you? I'm talking to you. How do you know I'm not talking to them? I'm talking to you. Do you want my blessings or not? Or do you just want to win a comparison test with somebody else? I want to bless you. We need to identify the faults in ourselves. We actually think that people around us rob us of our joy. We, I love being down here, especially the further south you go, the more conservative the nation is. That's changing too. We, we are snowbirds. We now reside in Florida in the winter. You've got to learn a whole new language down there. I mean, they call northerners that go down there for a couple of weeks snowflakes. They call northerners that go down there for a couple of months snowbirds and then they call some northerners frogs. And those those are people that go down and stay till they croak. <laughs> so we're not we're not frogs yet. We're we're in the snowbird stage right now. But we love our governor down there. I mean, I love our governor. I've heard people actually say, "Boy, we hope your governor runs for president, not me. We want to keep him in Florida." Why do you think we like Florida? There's freedom. <laughs> We love our governor. But you know what? When you are in the South, you can preach politics a little bit in the pulpit. Yeah, you can. Try that in Chicago. I actually have Democrats in my church. And some some of the Southerners, whoa, can they truly be saved? I'm starting to question every Republican now. I think Republicans and publicans in the Bible are closely related. (laughs) If you know a publican in the Bible, he was the scum of moral character. We need to pray for the faults in us. Others may cause us to sin. Others may cause us to stumble. Others may cause us some serious injury or hurts. But where we dwell is our choice. And more often than not, we like being angry. We like being bitter. We like the dark side of Calvary. I'm suggesting you want to see God answer your prayer? Ask for fire in your soul. And then write out your faults. I remember when I was pastoring it started out with four times a year, and then three times a year, then twice a year, and then towards the end, once a year. It's not because I sinned less. It's just I couldn't take the, the humbling. But in my morning prayer at the church, I'd go for several hours prior to the church service, and I would begin to write down all that I'd say with the psalmist. Search me, O God. Search me. Try me. See if there are any wicked ways. And whatever God brought to my mind, I would write it down. And I'd write it down, and it was humiliating. And I'd look at that list, and of course, I'd shred it or burn it. I, I, I looked at that, and I thought, I couldn't stand a person like that. I'd even question his relationship with God. And yet, you allow that stuff to lodge in your mind? As a man thinketh, so is he. That's why Jesus said, you look on a woman, you've already committed adultery. Otherwise, he knows the heart. And boy, I'd do that just to to clear the record. And I mean, it would break me down. I'd weep and cry unto God and ask God to forgive me. And then I'd shred or burn that list so no one else would see it. But I did that just to, to look at it. It's different than saying, well, you know, I failed here. I failed there. No, put it on paper and see how it looks. It's a humbling process. We're experts at judging other people. We tend to overlook ours. Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself. That word examine means not, do you remember a time and a place? Examine means look over your life. Check it out. See if you're really of the faith. Because if you're saved, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be evidence. You're going to see a change inside and outside. God says, examine yourself. And by the way, he's not writing to unsaved people there, per se. He's writing to a church. Church members. Check it out. Just because you're a member here. You need to examine yourself to see whether you be of the faith. We should we should pray and ask God about the faults in our life. Sin is a, is a a terrible thing to let slide in our life. There's three unforgivable sins. One God can't forgive. One man won't forgive. One neither God or man will forgive. One is the most damnable. One is the most Damaging. Another is the most dangerous. And the most dangerous sin that neither God or man can forgive because it's not been confessed is secret sin. The psalmist said, Cleanse thou me from my secret faults, which goes even further than before sins, the things that allow us to get into a sinful activity. The things that we cover up in our life, hoping that it's, I don't want to deal with it. It's not that bad yet. I'm not going to let it get to that point. It's the most dangerous sin. We deprive ourselves of getting help. We deprive ourselves of the joy of the Lord and a clear conscience. I'm suggesting today, you want to see God answer prayer? ask him to point out the faults in self he will do that for you thirdly we should pray not only for faults in ourselves but we should pray for forgiveness of others sin forgive means to cancel a debt amnesty is a synonym comes from the same root word that we get amnesia Forget it. Put it behind us. You say, well, I can't always forget it. Well, I don't think memory is what God is speaking about when he talks about forgetting. He's talking about, you don't owe me anything. Don't try to repay me. I've forgiven you. The debt's paid. I put it under the blood. If it makes you feel better, fine, but I don't need it. I'm moving on. There's too many people in our churches that have been wounded and hurt. It's like driving a stake through your foot, which would be very painful. And if someone drove a stake through your foot, you would, you'd cry out because it would hurt. And you'd grit and try to hold yourself to, to endure the pain. And you'd look at yourself and, I, I can't, I can't remain here the rest of my life. I'm, I'm paralyzed. I'm not going anywhere. So for, for the cause of Christ, so you think, so that you can advance and move on, you, you grit your teeth and... Uh, 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 and every time you take a step, it hurts. But after a while you get a callus. You learn to endure the pain. Before long you're moving and you're you're actually encouraged. You feel like, "Wow, I've gotten over it." But in reality, your whole life revolves around that hurt. God wants you to go through the process of removing that stake. You say, "But that's going to hurt." I just got over it. No, I didn't get over it. I've just learned to, to tolerate it. God wants you to move that stake out of your life. Let it heal. Yes, there'll be a scar there, but you'll be able to walk and go on for the cause of Christ. I'm telling you, unforgiveness ruins homes. It it hurts churches. We need to pray for forgiveness. And if you have to ask every day, every day, every day until God heals you from that, it's worth it. Pray, pray for forgiveness for his sin. Ephesians 4, 32 says, and be kind one to another, tender hearted, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Have you forgotten how bad of a sinner you are? Quit comparing yourself to someone else. God knows every thought you've ever had. If I announce that next week we're going to play your thought life up on a screen. Oh, you got two screens. That's better yet. We're going to play your thought life for the last month up on this screen. I have a hunch you wouldn't want to be here to see it. I wouldn't be either. God knows every thought you've ever had. He knows every word that's ever come out of your lips. He has seen you when you thought nobody else could see.
1: and Yet He loves you. And if you're saved,
3: He's forgiven you. He doesn't hold you to that. He's forgiven you. And God says, just like God has forgiven you, you and I ought to forgive one another. Are you ready for number four? We ought to pray for faith in the Savior. In fact, if you consider every sin in your life that you commit, you can trace it back to the fact we don't don't trust God. We know what the Bible says. But... But... But God, this, this just seems so right. I know your word says this, but this just seems so right. It just shows a lack of faith of what God said. And it shows a lack of love for what He said. Our girls would often ask Lori, What would you like for Christmas? And she'd say, Good children. You know what she was saying? If ye love me, keep my commandments. That's what God says to us, John 14, 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. God wants us to just trust Him, to believe Him. We're saved by faith. We're justified by faith. We walk by faith. We can't please God without faith. Mark chapter 9, Bruce Humbert's in that chapter. I don't know how many times I've quoted the man in Mark chapter 9. Remember the story? A man brings his demon-possessed son to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings him. His son's throwing himself in the fire. He's cutting himself. He's nearly destroying himself and and that father loves his boy and he brings him to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you would, you could heal my son. But the Lord sees a bigger problem than a demon-possessed son. And we might question that and say, what could be worse than my own child throwing themselves in a fire, cutting up their body? That's, that's not normal. What could be worse than that? Jesus addressed the father. He said, if you could believe, all things are possible. Bigger of a problem than that demon-possessed boy was a dad who was trying to live life without faith. You remember what he said? I've said it scores, maybe hundreds of times. Lord, I believe. But help thou mine
1: unbelief. I do believe. Right now,
3: my faith is weak. And God says you need, we need to pray for faith in the Savior. We just need to believe what Jesus said. Number five, we gotta hurry up. I don't know why we're hurrying, but we gotta hurry up. Number five, we need to pray for food in the sermon. Food in the sermon. You know 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word. That's to the preacher. Which I understand your preacher's not doing much of lately. I understand he's taking a six-week sabbatical. Is that what you said? (laughs) Just joking. By next week, your people will be so glad to have you back. I know know the strategy there. You're just trying to kill them with all us guest speakers. Paul wrote Timothy, a young preacher, God speaking to us, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Did you catch that, folks? Just thought I'd throw that in. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Preachers today are expected by the masses to exhort. But two-thirds of our preaching is to reprove and rebuke. That's negative. Everybody wants to be liked. All tell us how wonderful we are so we can feel valued and secured and cared about. And I'm a person. Well, yeah, we're concerned about you. And we know the sin nature. That's why reprove and rebuke is in there. And then we encourage you to live godly. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Man, we're living in that day. we got people that don't want that old-fashioned preaching. I'm tired of hearing, what does the Bible say? Come on, we know what it says. Really? I've read it through a hundred times, and I still don't know what it all says. Today our churches are drunk with television and entertainment. And we know a few things about the Bible, but our churches today are starving for the Word of God, and it's not because it's not available or people aren't listening to it. It's a crime if you can tell me the starting lineup of your favorite sporting team, but you can't tell me the 12 disciples' names. It's just wrong if you don't know the Ten Commandments. It's wrong if you don't know the eight Beatitudes. Come on! People that say they love their Bible, this is God's Word, this is the final authority, and we don't read it. Amen. I know
1: you're tired, but somebody needs to say,
3: you're right on that one. Amen. We need to pray for food from the sermon. When we come into church, we need to leave with more than just a funny illustration and a great outline. We need to get food From the sermon, God forbid for a preacher to be dry as dust and dead in delivery and dull in detail and drained of doctrine. But if a preacher or a teacher or a layman in the church or a kid gets up and reads the Bible. Then we as listeners have a responsibility to hear what the spirit has to say to us. Because God's Word is alive. And it will speak to the living. We're here to hear what the Spirit has to say to get food to grow in grace. Sit still during sermons. I'm telling a church that's half asleep, but sit still during a sermon. Don't be texting during a service. Don't be, don't be clipping your fingernails and Looking online for other things to do. My word, we're in church to hear thus saith the Lord. I tell you, you come in, you pray that prayer before you come in, you'll leave with something. God will fill you up. Number six, I'm almost done, folks. We need to pray for fear in the sinner. You know, it's almost... I love your theme, I know what it means, fear not. That's for those of us, we're not to fear what the world can do to us and what man can do to us. But we ought to fear Him that can destroy both soul and body. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The problem in our country today and in the world is that is their motto. But they direct it to God. It was coined a little differently a few years ago. No fear. Otherwise, you're not going to shake me up about hellfire and brimstone. You're not going to tell me what's right, what's wrong. If I want to live this way, I don't, I'm, I don't have to be fearful of what you think of me. If you understood the backstory of that, that's, that's the spirit in which it was, it was trying to feed in our country there ought to be a fear in the center. When a lost person comes into our church, they ought to be torn up in their emotions and in their mind, meaning. The church shouldn't be so worldly that an unsaved person feels right at home.
1: The church is for
3: God's people. We invite lost people, but we're not going to behave like lost people so that lost people feel comfortable. We want them to know we love them. We're not judging them. We're not condemning them. Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to condemn it. It's condemned already. I don't need to condemn anybody. It's already condemned. I want them to come so that they can understand we love them. We actually respect them as a human being. But we love God more than anybody. And for them, it ought to be, wow, I don't even know that I like their music. I don't know that I believe what they're teaching. There's something about these people. They really care about me. I don't even know that my friends really care about me. They just like me for what I can do for them and how I make them laugh or what I give to them. But these people, they're getting nothing from me, and yet they care about me. They they're giving to me. But there ought to be a fear of the Lord when they walk in. When we talk about Jesus as if he's one of one of the gang. We're only assisting them of their low view of God. God is a almighty God. Yes, I addressed him as Abba Father. He's dear to me. He loves me. But he's still God. Do I make sense? We ought to pray that when lost people come into our churches, there is an awe in the presence of an almighty God. Psalm 36.1 says, The transgression of the wicked saith within his heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Psalm 33 says, Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of him. There ought to be just something about the Christian life that people sense the presence of God. When I was younger, in my younger years, I liked to play basketball. I can't dunk it, and I understand white men can't jump. Well, I'm the personification of that statement. I can't jump, but I can shoot. I loved to play ball, and I needed the exercise. I joined the YMCA. I played basketball at the YMCA, and of course, in Chicago. I mean, it's not like Kansas, I'm the minority. You know what I mean, jelly bean. And the bros, they like me. And quite frankly, I preach in a lot of black churches, or have preached in black churches in Chicago, because we've started, helped start churches, and then when you help one, the word gets out. And and quite frankly, I they think I'm black inside. I just happen to live in a white house. But, so I'm playing at the YMCA, and they're, they're, uh, they're chatting with me, we're resting, and hey Humbert, um, hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I don't, let's not discuss that, let's just play ball. Well, that's the worst thing you can say, because now they want to know. After the next game, hey Humbert, where, 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 seriously, where, 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 do you, where do you work? Well, I'd rather not, I'd rather not say, because you guys like me. And um, right now it just seems like we have a friendship here, and I'd like to keep it that way. And they, whoa, bro, you don't work for the government, do you? I said, well, really, a little higher up. (laughs) (laughs) And I tell them I'm a preacher, and it's funny how they respond. It's like, whoa, hey, man, I'm sorry I said what I said over there. I didn't know you were a preacher. You get it? A respect for the man of God. There ought to be that type of respect and awe when they come into our churches. And we ought to pray for that. Because, quite frankly, they'll never get saved until they know they're lost. Then, seventhly and lastly, then we can go home and take a nap and do whatever Baptists do on Sunday night eat. <laughs> that was point number four sins. <laughs> okay, number seven. You can pray for this. Pray for the fallen in my sight. And I'm just trying to alliterate, and I think you understand. When you alliterate, it may not be as clear at times. The fact is, we ought to pray for the lost. We ought to pray for souls to be saved. Really, we should. Let me ask you a question. And I want an answer, so stay awake. We're almost there. How
1: many of you, Really believe
3: that everybody has a soul. Would you raise your hand? Everybody has a soul. Can I help you a little bit?
1: Every soul has a body. That wasn't
3: a trick question. I'm just trying to focus like the optometrist, does this look better, or does this look better? Trying to sharpen your vision, The truth of the matter is the Bible says, man looketh on the outward appearance, God looks upon the heart. When people walk in, we generally size them up and come to a conclusion of what kind of a person they are he 's tall, she 's short, he 's handsome, she 's beautiful, he 's not so cool looking. She needs help. He's overweight. She's too skinny. He's white. She's black. He's bald. She's balding. And we assess people's houses that they dwell in. And we come to a conclusion and more often than not... Our conclusion is inaccurate. True? To the point where some of us try to live up to the image of our house. We think because people think this of me and it's really a conclusion they've come to about the way I look. That's why statistics show a good-looking man or a good-looking woman will be hired quicker than what people that don't have that type of appearance because they're judged from the outside. That shouldn't be in church. That shouldn't be in the child of God's life. We ought to be praying for souls. If they're white, black, blue, brown, pink, orange, that's just the house. The soul lives inside. You get that person regenerated and they'll go to work on their own house to make it look the best that it possibly can. Are you with me? People often say to us, it's harder to win souls today than it was decades ago. That may be partially true, but I'm going to suggest it's not harder. It's never been easy to win souls. It's never been easy. you think the devil just pushes them out the gates of hell and says, here, I'm tired of this one. He's not releasing his prison camps like Cuba and others that are trying to get them. Oh, no. The devil holds on to his kids as long as he can. But I will tell you what's different. It's harder to get Christian people To go soul winning. What you young people don't understand is 40 years ago, I had five kids. I had a house to maintain, I had a yard to mow, I had an exercise program I wanted to do, I had chores that seemingly were endless, I had surprises that I certainly would not choose. And yet, we carve time out of our schedule to go soul winning. And you get 50, 60 people that go soul winning, you're going to see souls saved. A fisherman doesn't go to the lake and come home and say, What'd you catch? Nothing. Well, you're going to throw your rod away? Oh, no, I'll go next week. He'd go two or three weeks in a row and not catch a thing. You think he puts his rod and reel on ebay or facebook marketplace or wherever he can put it in goodwill no he's going to keep on going but christians well they turn me down i'm not going back no more seriously he's going to burn in hell And you're just going to let him go do you think it has anything to do with your personality do you think it's because of your lack of education? Do you think it's because you aren't gifted with the right words to say? No, it's, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And sometimes the rock is really thick, so you've got to put in a stick of dynamite, blow it out, put in another stick of dynamite, blow it out, until you finally hit some fertile soil down beneath all that, and it'll bring forth fruit and salvation. I'm saying today. We aren't seeing souls saved because the laborers are few. And there's fewer and fewer people
1: that are following Jesus from afar and actually denying him rather than fishing for souls. We ought to pray for the fallen.
3: We ought to pray that souls will be saved. For those of you that are taking notes, you pray for those seven things, God's gonna hear and answer your prayer. That's gonna build momentum in your life in praying. You'll get excited about praying. It won't seem like a waste of time anymore. Martin Luther said on one occasion, I'm so busy, I gotta spend the entire morning. His mornings were from 6 a.m. till noon. I got to spend six hours in prayer so that I can get everything done. Most Christians say, I got so much to do, I don't have time to pray. But if you'd pray and make a connection with heaven and God assist you, your projects are going to get done a whole lot faster and a whole lot better. And you're going to experience answered prayer. If my people, which are called by my name, is that you? If you'll
1: humble yourself, be honest to God, and pray. That's two of the four steps.
3: Tomorrow night, you guessed it, you know what I'll be preaching. And I think you'll be blessed and enjoy it. But let's just act upon what we learned today. It would be silly to end this service without prayer. Let's pray together. Make an altar where you're at. Come to this altar if you choose. Let's just pray for one of those seven things, or maybe all seven if, you, if they impressed your heart. But whatever God impressed your heart about this afternoon, let's begin to pray. Right here, right now. Father, I've done the very best that I can. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word that's been spread through this eternal bound audience. And find its way in some fertile hearts. That it would bring forth fruit. I pray that we would see a real revival here. Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You come as the pianist plays.
1: It's good to be in the Lord's house today, and uh, what a challenge. Thank you very much. Now, believe it or not, revival's halfway over. Just like that, just that quick. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Encourage you to come and to be here. And uh, we're going to take uh, about a five-minute break, and we'll come back, have a short church meeting And then choir can practice. Brother Chuck, why don't you come and that list of items. Humberts, would you guys mind? All right, be sure to be in your place tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, 7
0: o'clock. We'll meet here again and uh, hear more from the Lord through Brother Humberts. And I uh, hope that you'll make time to do that. hope that you've made time to do that already. Ladies meeting at, uh, uh, at the church here on October 20th at 7 p.m. And we'll have a patch program uh, in our Sunday afternoon service on October 23rd. Uh, Fall Praise Festival, sign-up sheet pretty soon um, as far as what we'll need to bring for that. October 29th at 4.30 at the Fosters. And a teen fundraiser for, um, to be able to raise money for this upcoming year. Uh, four different things, October 31st uh, during the uh, during the lunch uh, period on Sunday. And then uh, Ladies Thanksgiving on November 5th to here at the church at 5.30. All right, let's stand and uh, be dismissed with a word of prayer for a couple of minutes. All right, Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, Lord, I ask you to help us as we um, uh, prepare to have a, another business meeting. Just ask you to give us clarity and wisdom
1: that you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.